Hello and welcome back to State of My Art Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Yorty. In today's episode, episode 29, is very special because I sit down and chat with my good friend and roommate and boss and owner of this wonderful sharp school of music and studio, Mr. Noah Rabe. Noah has so many incredible things on the go right now. He recently became a father. He opened up this wonderful school, the Sharp School of Music and Studio, and he also has a new project coming out very soon called Sunset by Friday, featuring me on some of the vocals. On this episode, we get into a little bit of all those ventures Noah has going on, as well as some of his journey to get to this point, and what's coming up in the future, and what his message is, and what he's trying to accomplish here at the Sharp School of Music and in Sunset by Friday. And I'm sure this is one of many episodes you'll be seeing Noah on the show, helping me out with the podcast, and bringing on some of the other members of Sunset by Friday, including Matt, who plays drums. So be on the lookout for that new project. Follow at sunset by friday my conversation with noah rabe aka full send noah happened here at the sharp school of music and studio on march 24th 2021 all right mr rabe noah rabe we're really doing it yes sir welcome to the state of my art podcast thank you for having me at your wonderful Sharp School of Music and Studio here in Oceanside, California. Yes, welcome to Sharp. This is the third podcast here, and um, this is appropriate that we have the owner of the studio finally on. Yeah, how have the past podcasts gone in the different rooms and with the sound and lighting? I mean... It's been fun kind of doing it in other locations, but I've definitely had a lot of, um, a lot more editing, a lot more work because of doing it outdoors and having to like mute the mics. Whereas the last episode I did with Jera, I just let it run. I, I maybe muted like three coughs and lip smacks, but other than that, it was like, I could have done that live. I pretty much made no edits. Great. Yeah, so ideally, once we get Wi-Fi in here, we can set up, I don't know how to do it, some sort of, maybe maybe people, people can leave comments on how they do their live streaming or Twitch streaming so that we can just like run all the cameras. Or I'm sure the church does it mm-hmm. like that, right? Yeah, every Sunday morning. They probably have a program too that like takes all the cameras and you just sort of click what camera you want. Yeah, it's a good conversation for Drew. Yeah. So ideally we get to that point, mm-hmm. but you got a lot going on, man. And I got to say, congrats. Thank you. I've, on which? <laughs> I, exactly. I've deemed Noah, um, full send Noah because everything he's just like, I mean, as artists, we can hmm and ha, especially the later we get in our careers as we make more and more mistakes. I'm definitely guilty of it where I'm like, Should I really be buying this piece of gear? Should I really be going this direction with my sound? And before you know it, a year, two years go by where you don't put out anything. And you are opposite. You're kind of like spring chicken mindset where you're just like, I'm going to get this computer. I'm going to get this camera. I'm going to put out music in June, no matter what. I'm going to name my project Sunset by Friday. I think it was going to be... Uh, the, the city sunset. The city sunset. 
and you were like, by Friday, that's the one. And then I was it's like... It's the one to beat. It's the one to beat, right. Yeah. If I don't come up with something better by Friday. And then I was like, well, sunset by Friday then. It was perfect. Thank you. Yeah, I'm surprised that uh, I was just kind of joking about it. But um, I, yeah, you know, back to what I was saying, I wish I would um, joke about my own name and just go with it and just be like, oh, yeah, that works. It's not taken. Go with it. See, I had you as an example, though, of <laughs> where I didn't want to be. Exactly. Um, so because I know you've been thinking about it and coming up with so many options, and a lot of them are good options. And then when you have multiple good options, then it's like, what is your heart really sold on? And mine, at the end of the day, was like, I'm sold on these songs, so I'm going to find what name kind of gives me the closest feeling to the sound I'm getting from the songs. And Sunset by Friday has a nostalgic like deadline something that is either ending or something that's reminiscent and i think that um, with the songs that i'm writing and kind of the story that's woven into that for this ep um sunset by friday was perfect so thank you for accidentally spewing that out <laughs> yeah i mean there's a bu there's a bunch of things i'm accidentally just contributing to other people's projects and i find it very rewarding um but at the same time i don't know if it goes back to to touch on what you were saying where does this name sound like um my sound and I feel like it's kind of a difficult place for me because all my new stuff especially is even more of an identity crisis than ever. The production is just like either really stripped down and minimalist or like really elaborate with 18 different instruments playing the same lead at once. Um, so when I like think of a name, sometimes I'm like, yeah, that name would be perfect for that song. And then this name would be perfect for that piano ballad. But what do I do? Like, they don't work. To, they don't. It's not, it's not cohesive enough. Whereas the four songs you got coming up are like, there's literally a story to them. Yeah. I would interject and say that um, the consistency is you. Um, and you have different seasons, like most artists, but you've always been like Rosedale had a band, but it was Mike Leordi leading and writing the material. And when your members went away, the consistency, the consistent person and point was you. So with these new songs, the goal isn't to write songs or come up with a name that's best for the songs, but that best describes you and it can change with it. My favorite artists, I think of Reliant K, I think of Switchfoot, not a single one of their albums sound the same, but obviously the guys are the same. Those are maybe not Reliant K, but Switchfoot's a group that, that has the same members and you can hear the seasons of life they're going through and it's different album to album, but I they mean, have a, they all have of our favorite throwback bands now are a salad of different musicians right. taking back Sunday. I mean, my biggest, um, inspiration or, or I guess I could say source of media f of taking back Sunday right now is Fred who hasn't been in the band for over 10 years. I'm pretty sure he's just now on YouTube, right? He's just on YouTube playing his era of taking back Sunday yeah. covers essentially. And I'm just finding that really amusing because that's someone I look up to as an, as an artist. And I'm like, all right, I can gain a lot from this. And I agree that 
the person that makes it all cohesive or the thing that makes it all cohesive is like my voice. Like that's been my argument to the labels and agents who have said, dude, I don't even know who to put you on tour with. Like you're an identity crisis. Come back in a year when you have a more cohesive sound and a following. Um, I've been like, well, look at Coldplay. Like their genre is all over the place not only from album to album, but within the album. Mm -hmm. And the thing that ties it all together is Chris Martin's voice. Um, Not saying I'm as great as Coldplay, but I feel like I could get away with naming a one-word name like Rosedale was. It's just there was all the trademark problems and impossible to find it. It'd be great to find a name like Coldplay where it's like there's not another one. Right. Simple, clean. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they had issues with it. I don't know. But if the problem is that the name doesn't suit a completely other side of my sound, then maybe I just go with my own personal name. It's just, I feel like that's at this point for my current following, that's going to be the easiest to remember because what happens if I come up with a name and I've done it where of uh, my favorite artists switch their name or change their name or a local band change their name. And then I'm going to like book them when I'm going through town and I'm like, dang it, what's their new name again? And mm-hmm. I can't find their old stuff. So I can't find their new stuff. And, um, yeah, that's another fear holding me back from full sending. It's like, I want a name that's easy to remember. Well, good luck. They're all taken. <laughs> Sunset by Friday was not. And I right. think it's a clean, nice. <laughs> and that's easy to remember. Yeah. I'm surprised Sharp wasn't taken for the school. Sharp is a is a TV, right? But it's the Sharp School of Music and Studio, and that specifically was not. So that's unique. And it's a different um, industry. If you were to trademark Sharp, as long as there's no music lesson company right. or, or artist, maybe. I scoured scoured Google and Facebook, and that's it. I doubt most schools opening up with a name even trademark that that name. I don't know. I haven't yet, so (laughs) don't screw me out there, people. Hey, well, this is going on the Internet, so that's a source of, hey, that's a source of copyright stamp, I think, still. It depends who you ask, for sure. I I always thought that. I would put out music and say, okay, it's on Spotify with my name. So if anybody does it after me, I can at least point and say, here are the dates that I wrote and recorded these songs. And I don't know if it'd hold up in court, but it would certainly hold up in just public opinion. Yeah. And perception. Yeah. And at least make people go away if they search it and see. And there's already a website and there's already, yeah. I still haven't seen the website. I have your, I got your email letter yesterday. Great. That looked good. First newsletter. Yeah. First newsletter. Yeah. How do you do those? Mailchimp? I I typed it up on a Word document and pasted it into email. Um, and that that was it for the first one. I do want to add photos and little like inserts, and that will definitely be the route because I know you can paste different graphics within those and it looks a little more professional. But as the community is just starting out, I wanted to just give it a go with clear message words and um thank you for reading it and you just pasted 
everybody's email address in the CC? Or? Yeah, so through the uh, paid portal that we have here at, oh. at the school, um, we do a subscription-based um, lessons and studio time and, and so forth. So I have a couple students who they pay for one hour a week, and they come in four times if there's sometimes there's five uh, lesson days in the week. So maybe there's five Mondays like there was this month. And they'll come in and I'm like, okay, we have the hour. Um, there are, for younger students, it's very much so school learning, learning concepts, learning how to play. For some of my older students who have a pretty good grasp on theory and can play well, I let them come in and, and they'll say, hey, I'm, I'm working on this song. Can you help me with it? Or I want to get started on making a scratch track to eventually record this song. Or um, can you help me with a chord progression for this melody? And it's really just them coming to create and me assisting and tutoring and mentoring them um, through that process. So um, that's my favorite part of owning this place and, and running this place is when I was their age, when I was in high school, I didn't have anything close to this. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't even know how I didn't have a, a laptop. I couldn't make home recordings. I didn't have um, iMovie or friends that that did that. So when I was writing songs, it was here's my song notebook it has the lyrics it has the chords in it and someday maybe i'll record some of these songs but i wasn't able to capture any of that and there wasn't really anyone saying you know who's made the mistakes like you were mentioning earlier like we've made mistakes through our career which has one sharpened us and made us better and mm -hmm. and taught us all right i'm not doing that again um and that's the mindset that i have like ooh, i have a bunch of experience i have a bunch of um just like trial and error. So there's a 15-year-old girl who's bringing in songs to me and she's taking vocal lessons. I can give her a lot of information, a lot of help, and now we have the resources here. And uh, it's I think it's cheap. I mean, I know how much money my parents paid for just vocal lessons. Yeah. Like 50-plus dollars for an hour with a professional vocal instructor. I went to school for vocals and theory and, and guitar. Um, so the fact that I'm offering 50 bucks for an hour and they can record and they can write and they can do all that, I think it's hopefully something that will catch on and will continue to grow. We're up to um, 24 students in the first month and a half. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I find it interesting that you're taking a subscription approach like everything these days. Yeah. Um, but it kind of makes the most sense for a lesson center because I mean, there's subscriptions now, obviously for streaming music for Netflix. And now there's subscriptions to get rid of your subscriptions to find out <laughs> how much you're paying in monthly subscriptions. I can't remember what it's called. But I saw I, a commercial for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, man, some people are paying $2,000 a month in subscriptions for, there's no way you could even use all that. Um, but with music lessons, like your, uh, what's the word? You're accountable to show up to your lessons anyway, because you're scheduling time. Yeah. So you may as well pay for that on a subscription basis and it keeps it consistent for you. It's harder to cancel a, subscri a subscription, which is why everyone's doing it, which is why shampoos are doing it. Like you may as well just keep it coming in. It's easier to not cancel. But for lessons, it makes sense because it's like you've got to show up anyway. You may as well run it on a subscription. And because you're doing it monthly, every three or four months, you get a free week 
right? essentially. Right. We don't want to change the costs. We think that'd be uh, an extra hassle. And one of the reasons we're doing subscription is because I'm not an accountant. Um, I didn't go to school for that, but I'm wearing a bunch of hats as we're just getting started and I'm teaching lessons. I'm, I'm running the school and everything. Um, so with everyone paying in the first of the month, I don't have to chase down people. Yeah. And it's an automatically reoccurring thing. And, and frankly, the parents and the families love it because they don't mm-hmm. want to have to remember, oh, there's another bill I have to pay. And it keeps it, yeah, super consistent on, on the books. And it's, yeah, it's really cheap what you're charging, especially with the inflation going on right now. Uh, and yeah, I, I remember my parents paying a good 60, 70 an hour when that was probably equivalent to nowadays a hundred an hour yeah um yeah and for students that are like under the age of 13 i don't encourage the hour so we offer 25 dollars for 30 minutes right this is just directly an ad (laughs) sign up (laughs) sign up for lessons hey but we need it i've (laughs) only got two students right now anyone wanting to learn how to play guitar drums bass keys sing um I, I mean, even if you're not in Oceanside, we can Zoom, right? So. Yeah, yeah, we're offering Zoom. A uh, little inconvenient until until we get the hard wiring of the Wi-Fi in, but hopefully within the next two weeks. Yeah, but I can do it out of the garage. I've been living in Noah's garage, loving it. Got a nice little setup in there. Yeah, we're doing life together for sure. <laughs> yeah, full send Noah. Noah's just like, I remember not even a year ago, you're like, I guess a little over a year ago. Hey, uh, me and Jess are thinking about getting a dog um, or having a kid, either one or one or the other. <laughs> and here you are with both. <laughs> okay, well, good story about that. I'm unrelated to music, um, obviously. Um, she was like, she she wanted both, and I said, "All right, I can do one. Right. I don't want to do both. If we do." If we have a, a kid, let's definitely not do a dog, like, for a few years. But if we do a dog, we can warm up and, like, let's shake on it. We'll get a dog, and then we won't have a child for two years. And that was our agreement. Well, uh, we got Brady, um, named after my boy Tom. And, uh... Uh-oh. <laughs> I thought you didn't want to expose your secrets. <laughs> it's, it's part of me. So, um... We got Brady, and then two weeks later, COVID happened. Right. And we were all locked up. And when you got two young people locked up with nothing to do, you end up with a baby. (laughs) Yeah, makes sense. So now we have all of the above. Yeah. I guess it's a lot of people have been having babies during this pandemic. I don't know if it's just the age we're at. All their friends are having babies. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a COVID generation. Yeah. Yeah. That was just like born during the mask times. Hopefully we're away from them from the time. Yeah, maybe. Like when she's older and doesn't have to ever wear one. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, China, they're still, they've been wearing them for decades, right? There's a few more people over there. There's a lot more people there. And I don't, I don't really know the reasons why they were wearing masks um, before SARS. What started it? My assumption would be um, air quality and lack of um, policy for air pollution and just just numbers of people. Well, we have yeah, we have some we have some students that mask up. 
Jonah wears a mask. Yeah. And uh, it's still weird for me to um, remember. I remember when we were recording in L.A. where it's like, you got to wear a mask on the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. And I went into a Starbucks and you guys were all in there. And I think I went to grab my camera, my keys off someone. And they flipped out. You got to have a mask on. This was in like July. Yeah. Of 2020. Right. And I was like, oh, shoot. I forgot. And I still do that from time to time. I'm just like, as I'm walking in, I'll see someone with a mask. I'm like, oh, shoot, do I have my mask on me? So I just keep a mask in every pocket. <laughs> so I never forget. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully it's all over soon. Yep. See, this is what I mean, man. I started this podcast in the middle of it. So all of the conversations that I was hoping to have about touring and oh, last weekend we played a show and this happened. None of those stories are even in my memory bank now because yeah. it's just been like wiped out completely. That's the like biggest thing that COVID's done for me is like wiped out my regular life, which was going to the gym showering and like getting ready for a show at the gym. Mm -hmm. Can't do those. Um, sometimes before that or after that, depending on what time I'd get up, sneaking into a hotel, stealing breakfast. free breakfast from a hotel I'm not staying at, and then getting to the show early, taking a nap while promoting, promoting last minute or the next few shows personally messaging people haven't done that in over a year and then getting up and setting up a crap load of gear and playing to five to 200 people. <laughs> you know what I find funny about that progression is I'm sure there are now people uh, two years ago be like, man, Mike never stops texting me. And now it's like two years later, like I haven't heard from Mike in a, few, in a while. Yeah. He's like, he's not fighting for my attention or like wanting me to come to a show anymore. I miss that. Where's that guy? <laughs> yeah, I've been getting like a lot of random apologies from people that I've either hurt, you know, girls and friends that have just been like, hey, you know, sorry, I never got a chance to come out and see you when you came to town. Like, I feel really bad about that now. And it's like bittersweet because I'm like, I told you. And I'm also like, oh, well, you know, it doesn't really matter now because I'm changing the name and I'm starting over. So I'll let you know. And now I'm of the mindset, too, where I'm like, I mean, that was that was definitely a dark side of me that I didn't want to be where I had to like personally hound people to come out to the show or buy a ticket i had to do that so many times and that was another reason i wanted to like step back and do it right and just kind of build a brand that is um magnetic without forcing i mean that's really hard these days because there's so many people fighting for attention i think the podcast is a great lane for that because you are promoting others and mm. at the same time, you're the host, you are creating that brand and the conversations where they go and the things that they talk about. And um, I've noticed in a lot of the podcasts, uh, your guests are asking you questions. So that gives you a time to be like, hey, you know, it's like I'm not bringing this person on for them to ask me questions. But at the end of the day, a podcast is a conversation. 
and a back and forth. So you're propping them up and they're going to prop you up. It's great. Yeah, it's been surprising because obviously I expected that from artists who are have a smaller following than me and are like not very big. But even when I brought on the odd guest that's got a bigger following than me, I, I'm expecting me to interview them, ask them questions. I don't know if it's because I forget even things that I want to ask, but like uh, Chris from Hawthorne Heights had so much to ask me. And I was like, dude, I didn't even know you. It always surprises me that he even knows me or some of the other guests that I'm trying to get on because I know that they know me now. Mm -hmm. That was always a surprising thing. Um, because like I said, I'm really only playing a five to 200 people. How are these big guys even remembering me? I guess my height helps. Um, but yeah, I just like to be at a place where people are asking me for tickets. Agents are asking me to sign with them. Mm -hmm. Um, instead of me going around emailing and following up and, you know, freaking out that I'm getting no responses from anybody. <laughs> that's a, that's a cool question and, and place to maybe segue where I can ask you a question. Sure. Yeah. So, um, advice for my project. I've been working hard on these songs for the writing process for these songs actually started like three years ago. You have been full sending on these songs. Yes. But, but three years ago was the first time I, I wrote one of them that's going to be coming out. Right. So it's, it's been an over, over the kind of a long haul, but I now have set a date and yes the lyrics and the songs are written production's still in in process but my question for you is do i just release them or since i have a full batch of songs and i have great content surrounding it so we're doing a music video for each song there's four songs it tells one story do i send that full package out and see what kind of response i get or do i just say forget that let's go full diy and release them um, from my experience, I would say get all your eggs in, get all your ducks in a row is the expression I was going for. Mm -hmm. Um, have videos ready for each song, have the six second Spotify vertical videos ready to go. Yep. Um, have the back content of you talking about the parts you like what did we what we, were, we were talking about that with the band the other day i have to say the band because i don't want to i don't want to release it yet because on this exact point you want to have everything you want to have your merch ready to go mm -hmm. um so to that being the goal so that you can present it to somebody and be like hey i've done all the work you guys don't really have to invest anything other than to help me promote or oh you're saying like for the people who are contributing to the project Right, potentially. So if I wanted, so I have fully no expectations to like sign a contract with a label to release these. Yeah, sure. But, all, all DIY. Oh, but you're saying like reaching out to labels and and saying, hey, I've done all the work. If this, if you like this stuff, if you're interested in it, gotcha. would you partner with me in the release? Um. I, yeah. With that, I guess I take it back. Do it anytime you want to send anything. I guess make sure that the song is ready, mm -hmm. but you kind of got to expect that they're only going to listen to 10 seconds of it um, unless it has some sort of captivating 
video with a captivating message that's on brand with what their label is, which I mean, I, I, I guess I don't really have any good advice for how to do that because I've never been good at that. Like I've never been um, like, OK, this label has bands like this, so I'm going to make my sound and video match that demographic that they're with like Victory Records, and then give them another piece of content that they can profit off of. That's all they want. Mm-hmm. It's a business. So you kind of have to do the back work to figure out what labels are looking for stuff like this. So maybe who, what label is Laney on? Um, <laughs> I think they're already up to like capital. Sure. So they're at a place where... They, they definitely started at one that was very probably indie pop. And then because they uniquely got such a huge following all over the place with no radio play, it was all Spotify. Was, everything's a viral success if it's a success. Yeah. Right. It's pretty much DIY anyway. Right. So now, but they're, they're at such a place where they're not necessarily looking for, they can be whoever they want to be, basically. Which, that's what I did with these songs. I wasn't aiming for anything. I wanted to write cohesive songs. I wanted to do something that was separate and different genre-wise from the project we're a part of. Mm -hmm. If I was writing songs for that project, (laughs) I... Would give it to that project. I would give it to that project. Or even if you had a a different band that sounded like that project, you'd go to the same indie label that we're on and be like, hey, what about this? Mm -hmm. Now, I would even take a further step back and say, from an even more cynical, jaded approach, don't even waste your time yet. Keep doing what you're doing, spending the time making the content. Not for them. I mean, I would only go go to them if it was like, Look, I hit a roadblock. I can't afford to make videos because I don't have cameras. I don't have the vision. So I'm at a roadblock there. I also can't afford to print T-shirts if you guys can help me with that. Because everything that they help with, Mm -hmm. especially if it doesn't take off and go viral, which they're not going to do much to make that happen either you're going to realize that, wow, I could have done all this on my own, and now they're keeping, because I didn't even hit the threshold, they're keeping everything, mm-hmm. in most cases. It depends on the deal. Yeah, so that was a good point that you made. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would just keep it DIY, as, as DIY as you can. And I get annoyed when I hear podcasts and labels and musicians say that because I sit back and think, well, I needed that help. I needed not the merchandise help. I I figured out the merch game and and the booking game. I mean, I was getting in some pretty big venues um, on my own pretty well, but I didn't figure out the marketing side, which unfortunately that is kind of the it's so personal now that you have to figure it out for yourself so you know back to yeah podcasting is a great way to do it because i have good conversations with other musicians all the time but i'm definitely not good at like getting on tiktok and being like hey uh, here's a trend that i know will work and i'm gonna do it and everyone's gonna love it boom um which i'm I'm glad that that you're not a, that type of TikToker, <laughs> but I'm sure labels would be like, "Hey, you got to get on this train. You got to get on this train, Mike. Like, yeah. 
you know, do do a cover song of uh, do like a, a punk version of Taylor Swift's new song, and I'd be like, I don't, I don't even like Taylor Swift's new song. Um, but so so I don't know. That, that's maybe a bad example, but um, what I'm getting at is you don't want you don't you don't need labels to kind of make your personal brand your personal brand now needs to be more personal than ever like we talked about with chera but i hate i hate when people say that because it's like if if i only had a label that could have got me on an agency that could have got me on a bigger tour i would have had so much more potential to create content especially that was like look at me opening for these big bands Mm -hmm. i could have done podcasts with those big bands even come to think of it um so i never got the opportunity to open for big bands like some of the other bands that were getting on labels because of their viral even slightly viral success of like i don't know just a dumb video that went viral right and i'm not saying viral is the only way either you can you can create a really loyal uh supportive fan base especially with a fresh brand out of the gate like you can pick up a lot of steam real quick i think that um i think that the point that you made about asking a label for what you can't do was um it's great because growing up it was always and like working on the different projects i've worked on over the years it was like man i can't put together that video like i said like my friends had didn't Mm -hmm. have iMovie i didn't have the resources now i look at the things i do have I don't need their help with creating vision for the songs or the videos. I don't need the cameras. I have the cameras. I don't need the editing equipment. I have that. So like, and we have this space to record. So, and make dumb content. I can do any any and everything I want. Um, the marketing's the thing that I too also. It's like, man, how do we get on the the playlists and and stuff? And I know, like, I have friends in Pittsburgh who they're a metal band and and they're on Spotify curated playlists and stuff. And their first single ever. I'll put on a new metal like what's hot metal playlist and, yeah. and they jumped to like 35k listens the first week their first single came out um it they submitted it um they, they just uploaded it through their distributor and it was selected and i'm like wow like not sure how that happened they um, they did something on the back end to make that happen for sure they and they also got connected with several people just via instagram that yeah. have playlists it's like hey pay x dollars we'll put you on this playlist that has fifty thousand subscribers or you know followers for mm-hmm. the playlist and and their numbers start shooting up and then the more those numbers start shooting up you get put on playlists for free because they're like, oh, look at this band growing their numbers. Yeah, having those kinds of friends is key. Like, that's probably, you know, more help than you're going to get from a label who might dump 20 grand into PR. And that PR is just like, yeah, here's another album I have to write about. Um, Whereas when you get in touch with a playlist that has a huge following with your demographic it's even better than getting on that label with your demographic sometimes mm-hmm. and right when that was just starting my friend brandon brendan brandon i forget if it's an era he's in montreal and he was in a band that i'd play with all the time and um 
right as Spotify was like coming out, he was like, dude, you know what I think would be like really great for you is find all of these people creating playlists. Like, look at this girl. She has like a hundred thousand people subscribed to her playlist. She's probably making a killing off of that playlist. And she didn't even make any of this music. Mm -hmm. Try and get on her playlist. And I was like, dude, that's genius. Like, all right, how do we do that? All right. There's her name and her picture. Let's find her on Facebook. And we would find, we found about five that day and messaged them and I was like hey you know I can throw you some merch a t-shirt uh, if you can check out my new song and get me a spot on your playlist that would be really awesome check it out and you know we never got a response from any of them I don't know I don't even know if they went on Facebook anymore probably should have found them on Instagram but this was probably 2014 15 mm-hmm. but I'm sure there was thousands of people thinking of it at that exact same time messaging them too their fr- and their friends probably got the top choice or they were just playing big bands that they actually you know fell in love with right so yeah that's a tough game too but if you have like it comes back it always comes back to pay to play for us musicians though like if, if you have yeah if you have the money to make it happen and if you can get on a label who has those resources to really control what those it's funny that it's just like the small little fan now that runs the industry literally I think though that the way that you and I invest is the way of the true artist here's what I mean um, we do have the money but we're spending that money not on the marketing, but on the content creation. Right. I'm spending my money on the guitars, the equipment, the things that I'm going to use every single day, and the things that are going to help inspire me to write better songs, to create videos, to edit those videos, because I want to be in control of my vision for my stuff. If I didn't buy all those things, hey, I got a chunk of change I could put to get these songs played certain places, but I'm not investing there. I'm investing in the creation of the art rather than the promotion of that art. But right. there, there should probably be a balance. There's got to be a balance. Independent people start moving in like, okay, I'm going to set, say I got like $10,000 for this project. Can I record it with 20%? Because realistically, we should probably be spending 80% on, on putting it out there getting on these playlists and yeah. running ads for it on Instagram and running ads on YouTube there's so many places you could start spending that money that is scary for me to throw money at something so immeasurable material. yeah exactly guitar um, you have something in your hand you're like I got this nice piece of wood I can <laughs> resell it for more later sometimes yeah um Whereas a lot of digital gear, that's not the case. Keyboards are frustrating. But um, I'm getting off topic. The the SoundCloud rappers, like, they they know how to do it. They'll put $500 aside to get a featured rapper. Jarrah was on here last time talking about how I love the rap community, like, really collaborates. No, the small guys pay the slightly bigger guys $500, and it makes sense, and that's business. That's smart business, whereas, yeah, yeah, I agree with you that we're doing it the real way, and there's a small niche of fans who see that and appreciate that out of us. Most of them are musicians (laughs) or fans that have seen bands make good content and bad content, and they tend to like what we're doing. But, man, 
I, I think a lot of labels would probably look at guys like us and say, oh, that that is someone with, uh, what's it called, shiny object syndrome, where it's like, oh, I need to have these nice things and make my, and, and have the best gear. Whereas they're like, no, build the following and invest in your business first, and then you can get all the toys. Like, that's the way they look at it. Whereas we look at it as tools, yeah. which it's, yeah, you gotta, you just gotta find a balance. And I think that that's kind of one of the things that I've learned over the years and have become a little more, hmm, ha, like I'm going to think about my purchases before I do them because it would be nice to have a nice bank account ready to go once these songs that I'm making off of a small budget are done. Mm-hmm. So I'm finally like taking that rapper approach a little bit. I went the route of get my own studio, can record and not pay anybody for that time. Right. <laughs> record it myself. Yeah. And VSTs yeah. help too. Like, that's what I mean is that's yeah. essentially that's the rapper route. I'll call it. And I mean, you're also reaching out to have friends work on your project featuring. Yeah. Um, which, like Jarrah said, I, he, he wished the alternative and, and pop world would kind of have that rapper community. Um, and I think it's starting to. Like, and I think that I'm throwing myself into it, too, where I'm like, yeah, I'll sing on your EDM song. Yeah, I'll sing on your pop song. Um, and I'll, you know, even help write and um, even help add some production. And sometimes I even get paid from it from people who are trying to, like, gain a little bit of my following along with it. Like, okay, your name's going to be tied to it too, which is another form of monetization that I never really realized I would find myself in now that I'm not out on the road selling CDs and selling t-shirts and doing podcasts that, you know, don't even make 10 cents. But yeah, you just got to kind of find a way to generate money from your art that you're creating with your tools that you've invested in on your own while balancing that money that's coming in into going back into drawing more attention following in a way that makes sense how it makes sense is where there's still a big question mark for me because it's always changing yeah going back to the features i think that something that's difficult for our genre is a lot of songs are written um not that rap isn't emotional that'd be a kind of a slap i think it is i think that when people are featured in rap songs it's like all right i have this verse mm-hmm. write your own verse put your stamp on it exactly when i think of a pop song or a rock song or an alternative song i think of the artist, the writer kind of pouring out some emotion of theirs to like complete that song. And then the emotion that goes into not just production and beats, but the instrumentation and the writing of that becomes harder and harder to say like, Oh, I'm just going to give a portion of my soul or a portion of this song to another artist for them to sing over top of it. But um, what I love about this project that I'm doing is I'm pretty much wrote the concept. I re- created the vision. I wrote probably at least for 
three of the songs, 90% of the lyrics and, and the instrumentation as well. But I'm like, man, my voice doesn't carry this song the way that Mike's would. Mike's voice sounds awesome and he gets to put his fingerprint on it too mm-hmm. with some of the lyrics that you bring to the table that help follow the vision that I'm casting and I think that it's just a great blend of um, and also for storytelling purposes I like the idea of having different voices singing different songs so that you can tell it's basically what I'm trying to do is like create a Netflix series that's an album Mm-hmm. So you have characters that sing on different songs. They're different voices. You can clearly hear who is who because it's a different voice. And it all tells one story. And hopefully the music videos, when they come together, capture that. Um, obviously, I don't have the budget like in Netflix. So it's going to be um, music, just clear music videos, snapshots into this story. It's not going to be super linear, but it's going to have a clear beginning and end. So Yeah, I'm excited to see how that comes out um i don't think it needs to be extremely great budgets like netflix stuff i mean even some netflix stuff is really bad budget bad acting stuff Mm -hmm. um but like i would say that you're kind of taking a chapter from each successful industry and that is like the featuring um side of the rappers you know doing featured spots and, and that community um while still maintaining, okay, here's the concept, here's the story. And I mean, even, I wouldn't even call it Netflix, but like um, any sort of sitcom or series show, we'll, we'll bring writers in and they'll bring other directors in, right? Which is essentially what you're doing for your series mm-hmm. of songs. But you're taking a chapter from that book too, where it's like bringing in other artists to contribute and put their stamp on it while maintaining the vision, not just coming on and being like, here's my brand. I'm Lil Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of the guy who, who's like on every song right now. Or, um, but it's like, yeah, th- he's just, he's just coming on and doing his thing. Like when Lil Wayne would be on a song or, um, chance is probably the chance the person currently yeah. oh and then there's the worst my my least favorite everyone knows mr worldwide oh man he he was on every song for like six years yeah every second song that came on the radio had pitbull on it any any radio station that says they play the top 40 and play pitbull they're lying they don't play top 40 <laughs> They're just playing playing, songs featuring Pitbull. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, Which, like, you know, he comes on a verse and it's like, yo, I'm Mr. Worldwide, I'm Pitbull, here's what I'm about. Same thing every time, done. Mm -hmm. It's never like, okay, this is what the song is about, so I'm going to put my experience on this topic on the table and, uh, and, and... create an attachment to that vision and an attachment to me it's it's always just here's the attachment to me um so i i get what you were saying about not that rap doesn't have emotion behind it it's just always this is who i am this is what i am done not all not all the time though i mean lil wayne when he does a verse he stays true to what the song is about. That's why I'm a big fan of Lil Wayne, too. And that just comes from hard work. That dude and hustles. His identity, I think of um, like Snoop Dogg, too. It's like their topic of what they're rapping about is different every time. How they rap, it's yep. them. 
their cadence, their flow, the, like the, the way they, they tie the words together. Eminem, he's yelling on some songs, he's whispering on others. Depends what it's about. Mm-hmm. Right. Rap. <laughs> I have rapped in one of my originals before. Really? Verse 2 of Runaway. So people can still find your existing Noah Rabe music, right? I've begun to take it down. Oh, really? Uh, I took down... A single that I released that I shouldn't have when I was 18. Um, it's not a bad song. It just is a garage band production. Glad I took it down. Um, and I took down uh, my acoustic EP. Oh, I'm surprised by that. Yeah. Um, I have physical copies still, and I, I still have the masters and stuff. Um, they're, they're songs that I love, but they, are, they were recorded in an attic with acoustic and two condenser mics on mm-hmm. Pro Tools 7. So, you know, uh, it's it's part of my journey, but I just want, as these other projects come up, um, I'm setting a new standard for my songwriting ability yeah. and production ability. And now that I own a studio, I think that if people come across my music, um, may, if they like it, they'll look for, like, man, I like these songs. Let's find more of Noah's stuff. I don't want them to go back and find a yeah, 17-year-old me sure. writing on an acoustic guitar. You know, there's those YouTube, first YouTube videos you put out that you created a new YouTube channel and you can't remember the login, so you search your name on YouTube and you're like, oh man, there's that video from when I was 13. I really wish I could take it down. But there it is. It's up there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I'm just, um, yeah, just uh, trying to, to clean up a little bit of the things that I, I'm really proud of. Um, I, I am proud of the songs that I've written, um, and they were great for a moment in time, and that moment in time has come and passed. They, they captured it, and I'll actually even say that my acoustic EP um, sold more copies than my full-length album. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised by that. It was a different time, right? Yeah. It was a few years before your more pop sounding it it was just there was more sales back then yeah i think about when i released that seven song ep in 20 february of 2014 yeah it was my first like i graduated high school in 2012 there were songs that kind of i had a collection of when i started writing and then i recorded them and uh did really well on itunes like and we were making more money on iTunes at the time because Apple Music wasn't a thing. Yep. So people were spending 99 cents per song. I was getting like 60-some. Um, and if you go on Apple Music still to this day or iTunes, you know, that EP is ranked higher than my full-length right. album. And then I People also, were even reviewing the albums back then. Right. Yeah, it had reviews. Um, and physical copies when I would play shows... There's just something nice about all the packaging, too. Um, clean, sleek, sleeve with the image that tied really nicely with the acoustic sound. Um, and uh, I probably have 200 CDs left of the original 2000 that I bought. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, man, same. Like, Real came out in 2012, and I can't stand listening to half of that. Um but people still really are attached to online venting and speechless and sometimes random others just because of the time it came out. And that was a time when you bought music. Mm-hmm. And I think most people would argue when you had to buy music, it was a, just a little more cherished. And when it was the only thing that you could listen to, you couldn't really stream anything else. It was like, all right, well, I bought this album. 
I'm constantly reminded to listen to it, or it's one of the maybe hundred albums in my phone or iPod <laughs> that I can listen to. So you'd get more listens from it too, and then they're going to be more likely to buy another song by you that they haven't got yet if they haven't bought the full album. But most people would just be like, screw it, I'll pay seven ninety nine for the full album instead of a dollar a song. Um, so that was great. Those were the days, 2006 to 2000. 14 i would say mm-hmm. itunes sales were great and now i just have like an insane list of 0. 0.007 0. 0.007 0. 0.006 0. 0. 0.007 mine say 0. 0.001 how are you getting up to six and seven <laughs> <laughs> maybe they doubt da- maybe they hit download on the full album and that's how you get um that fraction of a penny <laughs> yeah uh but I mean, you know, I get it. And there's so many other ways to, to make money off music. It's just so much harder to get people to fall in love with your brand. And like you said, that acoustic, the, the packaging and the branding was so on point. Mm-hmm. And you're, you've always been good at that, I can tell. So it goes to show how, long, how far that can go if you're, if you're good at that sort of thing. And I used to see it in the parking lots of Warped Tour all the time. Bands putting their album with a fish on the cover of it in a bag like a, fi- like a, like a goldfish. And yeah. it's, it's like, you know, $10, you can get this goldfish <laughs> album in a goldfish bag. Isn't that cute? Smart. Before you go in there, I know you got money on you. That band would sell like $2,000 a day. 200 CDs real quick, right? So, Clever. yeah. Yeah, and now we just got to figure out a way to do that online, I guess, especially when we can't go out and tour and play shows. That's, so. that's what I think the video is all about. Mm-hmm. Got to make. I'm like, hey, I'm releasing four songs. It would be a waste if I didn't release four videos because people are going to listen to the whole song. Mm -hmm. There's a video associated with it, I think. Yeah, and all you're trying to get them to do is hit subscribe, right? Yeah. Um, And yeah, they might... It's really hard to get people to share a song or share a music video these days too. But if they do, that is, you know, another bonus. But you can't expect to be seeing your... Uh, streaming bank, you know, funding the project, unless you, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, maybe you can get a million plays off of getting on a, a playlist that caters exactly to what your song does. Right. So, yeah, you just got to do that back-end research. It's not fun. None of it's fun. It was fun when we would just, like, book shows, play shows, play local shows, open for a bigger band, come into town, sell a bunch of tickets. That wasn't fun, but at least you're seeing friends. And then see your iTunes sales go through the roof. Like that was the, those were the golden days, man. I had this really great opportunity, um, in 2015. Um, there was a big tour coming through Pittsburgh. That's where I'm originally from. Um, and there's a venue called, uh, first Niagara pavilion. Have you ever heard of it? It's like just outside of Pittsburgh. It's like big stage pavilion. And then seating and then a huge field and it's like where all the a-list huge bands come through because it's outdoors yeah they're not confined to stage ae or whatever it's it's actually i think probably bigger than heinz field wow yeah so hillsong united uh there was a tour called the outcry tour which was like a church worship um church artists coming through um and um i guess that first niagara they they offer this thing for vip 
subscribers or whatever, where um, before the doors open, they have um, music playing and, and like an open bar kind of thing. As And then as people are coming into the venue, um, they have music playing. Well, mm-hmm. um, it was it was like a church tour. So um, First Night Rebellion started calling churches and saying, hey, do you have any like Christian artists that you know of that play? And somebody recommended me. So then I get this phone call and they're like, Hey, we have this huge tour coming through and we would love for you to open and you can play like a 40 minute set, um, and make it acoustic. And at the time I just had the acoustic EP. So I was just like, yes. And they gave me like 10 VIP tickets after I got to go backstage and watch the show. Um, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, to sell or give away the VIP tickets. Oh, they were for me. So I gave them to friends and gotcha. invited them. And yeah, so yeah, I went and I, I played this event um, and I took a box of CDs, a box of my like, mm-hmm. just like a, f- I don't know how many like CD baby give you in one box. Um, and normally yeah, I don't, I, I prefer people to pay for it. Like you were saying earlier, when they pay for it, they're like, I invested in this. I'm going to listen to it because why would I spend $10 and, and not listen? So that's why I don't like to give away for free. But I was like, man, look at the event that I'm at. Yeah. And so what I did is I went to the, probably like FedEx or something. And I, and I made a decal that had my image on it, all my handles. And I printed like 200 stickers and I put them on the back of every single one of my CDs. And then I finished my set. All these people are walking in. And um, then like I go to like backstage I gave the CD to all the artists mm-hmm. and uh, that was kind of nerve wracking because like I was 19 at the time and there are a lot of artists that are like, man, these guys are about to play in front of 22,000 people. Sure. And then what I did is I went um, to like my VIP seats with that box and I just CDs to every person there and I saw the numbers on iTunes following that week go up even though people had the CD. Oh, so you didn't go around selling them in the crowd after? I gave them away for free. Wow. Because I was like, hey, this is my this was the market that I was going for at the time. Mm-hmm. They're all here, and, you know, they heard me playing as I came in. Because mm-hmm. um, it was, you know, and while they were in, like, while the doors were opening, the VIP people, obviously, were watching my show. But yeah. the, the crowd coming in was like, oh, and then... You know, as they were walking by, some people would like stop. And this was actually where the warp tour would take place in Pittsburgh. Okay. They would build stages. Oh yeah, then yeah, then I have been there. Yeah, it's in what's the town called again? Burgettstown? Burgettsville? Yeah. So anyways. That was the first warp tour I ever played at that place. Okay. Yeah. Twenty twelve. So right there's the the field and then like the main big stage. Yeah. With the pavilion. Yeah. Yeah. So got to got to play there and, and just giving away the CDs turned into Numbers on Facebook, because Facebook pages at the time in 2015 were really big for bands. Nice. Um, but yeah, so that was that was one that I was like, oh, should I just give them away for free? And yeah. I just decided it's probably worth, you know, even if every when people go to a concert like that, it's like everybody, I don't know if you, like, when I go to a concert, it's weird, my wife bugs me, so we go to a concert, on the way to the concert, I'm listening to the band. Because I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. Sure. To, she's like, you're going to hear these songs when we get there. Why, why are you're we listening to this band? You want to see the changes. You want to be familiar. Yep. Right, and you want to sing. So I was like, all right, now everybody experienced this awesome concert. They want to put it something in the CD player on their way home. That's true. So I just said, I'm going to give them a free CD and uh, see 
see what happens after that. So numbers went up. It was helpful. And that's, you know, a different time, but that's how we had to invest in ourselves back then. And if you think about how many CDs you pressed and gave away, $2 each CD, right? Yeah. Well, it's been good talking to you, Mr. Rabe. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for the wonderful facility that you've put together here. And uh, I'm excited for the new music. Where can people find you currently and where can they find the new project? Great. Yeah. Um, you can look my name up for any originals. So Noah Rabe, just my name. Um, the school at the Sharp School of Music and Studio. Uh, that's both on Facebook and Instagram. And then the newest project, Sunset by Friday. Is that um, on Instagram already? It is. It oh, is. Okay. We don't have any posts yet, but, um, you know, we will soon as we're editing and working. Uh, expect the first single June 1st. Sweet. June 1st. You'll uh, hear my voice, see my face on it. If you've been um, interested in seeing what I do, that's um, part of it. And, um, yeah, check out the school. If you're interested in taking a, a lesson or two, hit us up the sharp school of music and studio and yeah that does it episode 29 in the books thanks again dude thank you that's a wrap oh yeah that is a wrap indeed thank you mr rabe for being on the show and supplying this wonderful facility for me to make these podcasts nice and sharp you said it best brother we're doing life together. Be on the lookout for his new project, Sunset by Friday. I think you'll really like the tunes and concept and videos and content that he's gonna be putting out. And if you'd like to learn an instrument and become a musician or improve on your instrument or record some song ideas that you have, definitely hit up the Sharp School of Music at gmail.com or you could follow and message through Instagram at the Sharp School of Music and Studio, and we'll be happy to accommodate you. As always, big thanks to the folks at Vocalese for supporting our voices and this podcast and the Sharp School of Music and Studio. If you haven't tried Vocalese yet, now's your chance to get 15% off your order using this link beside my head. Vocalese is an all-natural throat spray. It tastes delicious, it's all-natural ingredients, and it helps your sore throat go away very quickly. It helps you sing better, frankly. So. Try it out, 15% off. Here's the link. I'll leave it in the description as well. Thank you for checking out this podcast. If you'd like to see or hear more episodes like this one, be sure to click follow, subscribe, notify bell, wherever you're hearing this or listening to this. And if you want to leave a comment, that would be much appreciated. I'll reply as soon as possible. And I'd love to hear what you guys think about this episode and some of the other episodes and what maybe you'd like to see in the future. So leave a comment below. Hello. And uh, yeah, until next week, I'll see you back here for another episode of State of My Art Podcast. Oh.